Praise the Lord. We are, uh, we're, we're continuing in our, our sermon series with uh, Hebrews. Last week, my, Matt preached on uh, faith during the patriarchal time, Moses, uh, not Moses, uh, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and Joseph. We're going to continue in, on in our passage a little bit further into redemptive history with, with Moses and the people moving into the promised land. Before we read, though, I, I want you to think about this. I, I don't like social media all that much. I, I hate to disappoint you all, but I, to, to my wife's chagrin, I, I do look at Twitter, me and my 65 followers, but um, try to follow different things with different perspectives. And one of the entities that I follow, I don't know if it's an individual or a group or what, but it's called the Atheist Forum. And as I follow along with their tweets, I, I realize a couple of things. First of all, I, I I wish they understood the Christian faith a little bit better than they do. And secondly, when they, when they tweet on faith, uh, it's very clear that, that a, a biblical understanding of faith and their understanding of faith is radically different. And I thought about it in terms of, I, I wonder how, how many of us sometimes have an inadequate understanding of what it means to live by faith. So this morning, what we're going to do is, is going to consider what a vibrant living faith looks like, and I think it's different than many of us uh, understand, and then hopefully encourage us as God's people uh, to consider what it means to really live by faith every day and actually get excited about it, because while it may be difficult, it may be hard, it may be confusing sometimes, it's really the best way to live, and I hope we get excited about that. So. Let's read our passage very quick, not very quickly. I need to slow down, as my wife would say. Let's read this passage. Think about three things. What faith looks like, what faith looks to, and then how we can grow in our certainty about who it is we place our faith in. All right? So let's read. If you have your Bibles, you can open them up. If you don't, we print it for you in the bulletins there for you. This is Hebrews chapter 11, verse 23. By faith, Moses, when he was born, he was hidden for three months by his parents because they saw that the child was beautiful and they were not afraid of the king's edict. By faith, Moses, when he was grown up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to be mistreated with the people of God than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. He considered the reproach of Christ greater wealth than the treasures of Egypt, for he was looking forward to the reward. By faith, he left Egypt, not being afraid of the anger of the king, for he endured his seeing him who is invisible. By faith, he kept the Passover and sprinkled the blood so that the destroyer of the firstborn might not touch them. By faith, the people crossed the Red Sea if on dry land. But the Egyptians, when they attempted to do the same, they were drowned. By faith, the walls of Jericho fell down after they'd been encircled for seven days. By faith, Rahab the prostitute did not perish with those who were disobedient because she had given a friendly welcome to the spies. Let's pray. It's God's word. Father in heaven, we thank you. We thank you for the gift of faith by your spirit through the Lord Jesus Christ. And we ask this morning that we would see him as he is, as our Savior, our King, and our friend, in whose name we pray. Amen. So again, quick survey of what faith looks like, 
consider, um, because most of you already know this, what our faith is supposed to look to or who our faith is to look to. And then lastly, I, I did say it like this at the 830 service, how our faith can grow. They don't really like the way I say that because we're really not interested in your faith growing. We're interested in you better understanding who Jesus is, who you place your faith in. So I want to say it like this. It's not so much about our faith, but it's about Jesus Christ. Okay, so first, what does faith look like in this passage? Verse 23, we have Moses' parents realized they were Israelites. They, they, they probably heard a longer version of last week's sermon on Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and Joseph. They knew those stories. They knew the promises of God, not like us, but well enough to understand that God could be trusted, even as they lived in the midst of life as slaves under Pharaoh, who was not only a king, but in that world, he was a God, a false God to be sure, but he was considered to be divine. If you didn't understand or do what the Pharaoh said, you could be killed. And at that time, the edict is, if the Israelites had a little baby boy, they would have to kill him. But as we read, Moses' parents did not kill him. They hit him, and it's because he was beautiful. That's not because he was a pretty little boy. When that passage or when this part of the passage says he was beautiful, for some reason unknown to us, and we'll talk a little bit about this a little bit later, they understood that Moses was unique, was special. They looked beyond the boy and they saw God's promises and they hid him. It wasn't just the, the natural love of parents for children and their children, but they saw something more. We don't know all the details. And they hid him even if they were going to die. So the first picture, first understanding, first idea related to faith is it's courageous. And realize courage isn't the absence of fear. Courage is acting rightly in the face of fear. Moses' parents were courageous. Doesn't mean they weren't afraid. It means they acted in light of what they knew to be true, even in spite of their fear. That's the first thing. Next, we see Moses himself. And with Moses, we're going to look at two things. We can look at more, but just two things this morning. Faith is sometimes seemingly the harder way. That's the first thing. Secondly, it's marked by obedience. First thing that we see here in the life of Moses is he'd been adopted by the daughter of Pharaoh, she was a quasi-divine person in and of herself, according to Egypt. So Moses had the, the blessing, if you will, to live in the palace and had all the access to the treasures of Egypt. So if Moses' goal in his life was happiness, comfort, and pleasure, Moses had it all. He was set. But rather than doing the easy thing, the easy thing would have been, hey, I can help my people from the palace. I can help my people with the power that I have as Moses' adopted son or grandson. Rather than doing that, he gives up everything. He changes places and he chooses the much more difficult way. He gives up the security of power, the security of 
financial aspects to identify with his people who were slaves. And again, the passage says, by faith, he leaves not being afraid of the anger of the king. What's so interesting about that, there's some debate whether this is Moses leaving in Exodus 2 after he kills the Egyptian, where God's word specifically says he was afraid, or was it maybe later when he led the Israelites out of slavery in Exodus 14? I personally believe that this is a chronological account, and the writer to the Hebrews is saying he wasn't afraid, and Exodus is saying he was afraid, not because they're contradictory, The point that's trying to be made is, although Moses was afraid, his faith, not his fear, was the dominant motive of his life. Even Moses struggled with fear, just like all of us. But over against that fear is faith. And what we need to see here is faith can overwhelm even our very reasonable fears. Moses should have been afraid of Pharaoh. Pharaoh was the most powerful entity in that world. And in spite of his fear, he lives by faith and takes a much harder way, chooses that way, and does what God wants him to do. So in spite of our fears, in spite of our worries, faith is courageous. It oftentimes chooses the more difficult path or seemingly difficult path and Thirdly, faith leads Moses to obey God and others to obedience as well. Look at the passage. By faith, Moses kept the Passover. He sprinkled the blood. He led the people across the Red Sea. Even as we read in Exodus 14, he says, fear not. But what he does can simply be stated like this. He did what God told him to do. What looks like and even is, for some people, the way of death is the way of life for God's people. And that's part of the reason why obedience is hard. Obedience to God's revealed word might seem like it's a way of death. And most of the time, it's contrary to the way the world looks at life. But God's way, God's commands, in spite of what it may appear to be like, It always leads to life for God's people. I mean, all you have to do is think about why you sin sometimes, why why you lie. We lie because it's easier than telling the truth, because if we tell the truth, we're going to get in trouble. Looks like the way of death to tell the truth. But in actuality, it is a way of life. You think about our, our sexualized world that we live in. Seems hard to follow God's commands about how we are to interact with one another, male and female, how we are to live our lives before and after marriage. It seems hard. The world will laugh at you. But in actuality, God's commands are there for our good. It leads to life. So what does faith look like so far? It looks courageous. Faith often takes the seemingly harder way. It's marked by obedience And the last two in this passage is we see God's people moving into the promised land. We see faith at work in ways that the world not only considers unreasonable, strange, but the world may even consider it to be wrong. The fall of Jericho's walls illustrates the faith that pleases God 
is a response to His Word and works even when what we see and what we do seems foolish and impossible. If you know the story, you realize that God told Joshua to tell the people that they were going to take over the city of Jericho as they moved to take over the promised land. And what he told them to do was walk around the city, sing and shout. That's not very good tactics. And I imagine by day four after doing this, they're wondering, what are we doing? And then on the seventh day, they're told, walk around the city seven times, sing while you're walking, and shout. And what happens at the end? The walls fall down. Following God often seems foolish and impossible, but it led to life for God's people. And then there's Rahab. She's a Gentile foreigner. She's not even an Israelite. She's not one of God's people whose career choice, shall we say, is is not really that pleasant. This woman shouldn't be in this chapter of faith. It should startle us. By faith, though, Rahab trusts not in her own virtue, not in her own goodness. She just hears about God and acts. So in all these instances, they all overlap, right? Faith is courageous. A life of faith sometimes actively chooses the more seemingly difficult path. It's marked by obedience, and it looks ridiculous to the world. And do you realize every time, faith leads to rescue. Faith leads to life. So that's the first point. What does faith look like? Courageous, sometimes difficult, marked by obedience and looks ridiculous to the world. What are they looking to? What are these people looking to? What is it that gives them this faith? First of all, when you talk about Moses' parents, we talked about the child was beautiful. We don't know all the details. But they saw someone, something behind the birth of their son. They were aware of God's promises, so they looked at what they could see. They looked through what they could see, and they saw something more. Moses was special, not not in and of himself. He was special because God was going to use him. And his parents were more afraid of disappointing God than even death itself. So God and following him was more important than life on this earth. They were looking through their son into something more permanent, something more valuable, something eternal. For Moses himself, if you look at verses 26 and 27, Moses reckoned the reproach of Christ more value than earthly riches. He was looking to the reward. Verse 27, by faith, not being afraid of the anger of the king, he endured as seeing him who is invisible. I'll say it like this. Moses' view of life, this is really important for us, I think, penetrated beyond the trials and afflictions of this present world to something bigger, something better, something beyond, something invisible. And specifically for Moses, when we talk about reproach, he considered the disgrace for the Messiah, for the promises of God, the disgrace of Christ, more valuable than anything this earth had to offer. From a New Testament perspective, I would say it like this. He knew, he believed that Jesus Christ was better than all the good things this world had to offer. That Jesus Christ was so real. This is how real Jesus was. This is how real Jesus is. It's better to be scorned. It's better to be disgraced. And it's better to suffer for him than to enjoy any riches the world has to offer. It's better 
than to even enjoy what the world thinks of us. Calvin says on this verse, we ought to shun as deadly poison whatever cannot be enjoyed without offending God. We could spend a whole sermon on that. Much of our problem is we're living too much for this present age. I know I am. Living for what the world can offer us, what this world thinks of us, rather than what God has done, is doing, and promises. It was a beautiful picture of what God is doing this morning in our baptism. He is at work saving people. Moses had everything, and he gives it up. Not because he's great. He's actually a pretty normal human being that made a lot of mistakes. But rather, he was looking to and for something more, to verse 26, to the reward. And he endured whatever God placed in front of him because he saw him who is invisible. And I do, I want to clarify it again. We talked about it last week. We'll probably talk about it next week. This chapter doesn't say, say it's because of their great faith. It doesn't say because their faith was so big. It's just faith. It's not a matter of how big our faith is. It's the bigness of who we place our trust in. And see, this is a a short second point because, I mean, as I look out, I know you all know this. I know most of us understand this. If you're visiting Redeemer or maybe you don't understand it, if you spend four to five weeks here, you will understand it because that's all we preach is how big Jesus Christ is. But in five churches, uh, to include before my ministry, PCA churches, I said this the early, church, early service, I need to say it today, four of them were really, really good. And this is one of the good ones. In fact, out of all the churches that I've been in, this congregation understands the gospel better than any other, con- and the, any other congregation, and they understood the gospel. In fact, I have met with people in the midst of serious sin, and they share the gospel of grace from their head really, really well. I wish I could explain it as well. The question for us at Redeemer is not, do we know enough? After all, this is the only thing you need to know. Jesus Christ died for sinners like me and you. That's all we need to know. Do we really understood that? So it's not really about, do we know enough? The, the issue is, and it's our third point, How do we get over all our fears, our concerns, our struggles, our sin? How do we get over ourselves and live by faith, live in confidence that we can do anything and everything God wants us to do? Because that's what we're here for. And that's what we're empowered to do when our Savior is really big. I hope none of us ever have to risk our lives to save our children, but we might. Even if you don't, though, if you're raising children in this world today, when, if you raise your children for Jesus Christ, there are going to be many times where you feel like you're dying. I don't think God's ever going to ask us to walk through the Red Sea, but we're all going to have to go through some really scary things in life. He's not asking us to walk around downtown and sing, but He certainly wants us to share Christ with our neighbors and our friends may not quite have a career like Rahab, but we all certainly do many things that we are not proud of. So the question is, how do we live with courage? How do we, how do we even take the harder way, or at least what seems to be the harder way, 
How do we obey God and, and even look strange to the world so that we can be known as people of faith? Two things that I want us to consider. First, this whole chapter, if you are to go back and you'd read this whole chapter, it shows very clearly that the person of faith is a person marked by obedience. Faith and obedience go together. Moses kept the Passover because God told him to. I don't think, I mean, it's like he's smearing blood over the door frames. He's, he's got to be, they, why are we doing this, Daddy? Because God told us to. Moses led the people across the Red Sea because God told him to. The Israelites walked around the city and they blew trumpets because that's what God said. And Rahab welcomed the spies just because she heard about what God was doing. For most of us here, we know many things that God tells us to do. So it's not as much about knowing. It's about doing. Faith always acts. The reason we don't like obedience as much as we should is because it takes courage. It's often seemingly the hard way. It sure does look strange to the world, but I want you to hear this. Until we start acting on what we already know, we'll never understand how dependable and trustworthy God is. I mean, all you have to do is, you think about Moses when he left Egypt for the first time. He got married, so that's a good thing for the most part. He got married, and then he spent 40 years in the desert. You don't think at year two he was wondering, what have I done? I left all these good things, and now I'm watching sheep. The, what he did is in his obedience, he learned he could trust God. And the reason we don't know more of how much we can trust God is because we usually take things into our own hands, try to do it in our own way, and we never get to see what God will do in spite of us. We, we learned this in our staff meeting where we have a Bible study, combined it with the, uh, what we all came together in some measure. Little acts of obedience today will always take you where God wants you to go. And a good outcome on this earth is not the promise. But a perfect outcome in the world to come, that is what this life is all about. Obedience. Secondly, if we're going to grow in our certainty, most of us or many of us, God can be more of an idea, a concept, a vague entity, or a feeling rather than a person. And I know Moses got to see God in the burning bush, but do you know what we know today? That God took on flesh. He lived among us. He was born. He had a real mom and a real dad. And I know he was miraculously born, but this was a real man who is also fully divine. And this is our God. And our God left his palace and his place of power to be identified with people like me and you. Even to the point of death on a cross. He took the hard way when he didn't have to. He accepted the scorn and the hatred of the world. Why? Because he was looking to the reward. And you know what the reward is? The reward is me and you. The reward is us. The reward is his people in eternity. He did all that so that we could be with him, so that we could know him, so that we could look through the things of this world, see through them, and see Christ in what he's doing. I, I do promise you this, and it's, it's going it's to continue on for the rest of our lives, but we can actually know 
this Jesus better than we ever could imagine. But we have to actually want him more than anything else. More than the fleeting pleasures of this world, more than our reputation, our money, the love of another person, or our good feelings. We have to live by faith, like these normal people did. We have to continue to place ourselves in a position where we can come to grips with all that God is in Jesus, all that he's given us, all his promises. And I know it can be hard. I know it looks ridiculous to the world. Might even seem like it's not working. But that's part part of why we're here today. You cannot walk away from here today and, and not know that Jesus Christ is working. We got a new brother in Christ. We'll spend eternity with him. And by the way, make sure you come up and meet him. You need to get to know him now so that when you see him in heaven, you'll say, oh, I know you. Of course, people are going to make fun of us. The world's going to think the way we do things is ridiculous. And we will not experience all the supposed good things this world has to offer. But people of faith live for something more than this world can imagine. And we know it's true. And we know it's true because God has spoken, God is at work, and he will continue that work with us, in us, and for us until he takes us home or until he comes back and makes all things right. But until then, we're going to walk out those doors as the people of the Redeemer, and we're going to live by faith. And we can be courageous. And we can take the harder way. And we can be obedient. Yeah, the Bible says you can follow him. And we can look ridiculous to the world. And we can rejoice together because we're living by faith. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you for your word. We thank you for these illustrations, these real men and real women who lived by faith in difficult days. Give us the strength and the endurance as we come to the Lord's table. Feed us, nourish us, help us to be men and women of faith. In Jesus' name, amen.